Right, ladies and gents, welcome back to Two PTs One Podcast. We are back for our part two in basics to programming. Oh, so if you did miss episode or part one, um, we do talk about the seven fundamentals that should be within your programming and go into a bit more detail. I'm not going to give too much away just so you can go and listen to it if you haven't listened to it. Have you ever listened to that episode yet? Uh, We'll give you time. We'll give you about five seconds. Yeah. And so if you've listened up to this part and you haven't watched it, go do that. But if you're here right now, I'm expecting you've seen it. You understand what we're going to talk about. And let's get back to it. Perfecto. Perfecto. So, I feel <laughs> we should basically go into where programming should, program adjustments should be made, realistically. Okay. So, in terms of saying, obviously, different exercises are for different people. If it was as easy as just saying a deadlift squat and bench press for everyone, there'd be no coaches. Yeah, I mean, when it's it's good knowing the movements, but you don't throw sixty year old Linda on the back squat and tell her to go and do it. I mean, that's just bad coaching. And nor does you try to program that. But first of all, you before you do any kind of programming, you need to understand your body and itself and what you're strong and what you're weak as. I mean, if you can't do, let's say, for example, like a squat, something that, re- like, if you're doing most assessments with, um, like, a coach or something like that, they'll get you to do some kind of, like, overhead squat or some form of squat technique or something like that. And if you can't do a, a full depth squat, so that's where the crease of the hip is below the knee, then something that you could start off with is something like a butt squat. So you limit the range of what you're trying to squat to. And because whenever you do a certain range or something, there's a kind of lever effect where I think it's around like 15 degrees either side where your body will strengthen and adapt to. So over time as you progress, you can obviously lower down that box into the point where you can actually get a full range of squat. Now that just won't just be a strength necessary. There might be other components of that. So for example, if it is a squat, let's say, let's go back to Linda. Most cases of being female, that might have a tight ankle, tight ankles. So somewhat of also programming for a bot squat, we might include some maybe knee over the toe calf raises, or we might work in some mobility stuff in beforehand to increase that range of motion and make sure that ankle is nice and strong. So yes, you've got to, in programming, you've got to be able to put the movements in there. But you've got to have the accessory work to make sure that you can perform them exercises at a full range of motion um, and have obviously the stability to do that as well. I feel like I need to rename like, and have a third section because I have compound, fluffy, which I normally call my accessory work. Yeah. Like your tricep extensions and that kind of stuff. And then your mobility. Because generally for me, I think mobility is always at the start. Um, if I need to put a tiny bit in at the end just to re it's like a positive reinforcement for a client well ideally if you think about like a warm up protocol then you want to activate and mobilise the joints the movements and stuff like that you wouldn't go into anything cold 
Like, you wouldn't go to a full football game without doing a warm-up. Um, if Unless you want to really badly injure yourself, then, yeah, go ahead. And that's the same with any compound. Even if you are top level and you're doing massive compound movements and stuff like that, they're going to spend time. Let's even look at like stuff like Olympic lifting. Now, I did um, a bit of an Olympic lifting just this last week, and it took me a full hour just to get the mobility of having the bar over my head. So for people who don't know what um, Olympic lifting I'm talking about, I've been doing a little bit of snatch balance and a good range of motion for shoulders that's able to have in the bar at the back of the head. So if you had the bar overneath your head, so if you're not watching this over YouTube, sorry, explain it as best as I can. So if you have your arms over your head, and let's say you have some kind of like broomstick, dowel, barbell, something like that, that barbell should be able to come just to the back of your head, and that will be class add good overhead range of motion. So if you can do that, you're really good for stuff like shoulder presses. Um, you've got good overhead extension, so you obviously you're safe for like overhead pressing stuff like that and it literally took me a good hour near to just to get that mobility because if i couldn't do that then i'm just gonna bang my head multiple times and i just couldn't get that stable yeah um so yeah i would definitely start with any session with any mobility part and stuff like that but like i said you can spend a day of doing all the fluffy work and stuff like that. it doesn't have to be at the beginning of the workout it's just that um mobility and stability will come hand in hand so you'll always kind of interwine it into your session whether that's right at the beginning in the middle of the session or at the end and stuff like that it's whatever you prioritize in that moment but i mean there's there's so many ways you can trickle around it just to go back to reference for anyone that wasn't watching on youtube miles did start doing the ymca on the video uh <laughs> but even if you broke it down into a physical program there's nothing realistically stopping you doing it as even a form of superset work. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, together. Yeah, exactly. You can always, there's no, there's rules and regulations to it, but it they're not set in stone. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of people are going to come into this podcast, but like, right, this is a way I'm going to program it. But you're probably going to get from also a lot of the time, like, it all depends. It depends on your goals. It depends on where you're at at the moment, your training experiences and stuff like that. Um, and even if you are, let's say, tiered lot level and stuff like that, and let's say you get an injury, you might find yourself cutting back a few weeks to making sure you go and re um, recycle them few things. So... Yeah. Even in your career and stuff like that, there'll be multiple times when programming mesocycles, macrocycles, and stuff like that, um, where you're going to recycle a lot of things and stuff like that. I mean, like, I, I'm, cap I'm very fullable, capable of doing a squat, and I'm just doing a squat as a sample, but it, it all links up. But I might want to do a bot squat or a pin squat to stop the momentum dead. Yeah. tracks and be more explosive in that compound movement and be stronger in a um concentric movement and so that, is shortening of the muscle sorry yeah i was literally about to say then that's where obviously we've titled this programming basics 
from basics to programming, but this is where you can't just have a staple. Okay, you're going to do a bench press, an overhead press, and go from there, because that's not going to work for everyone. You might need to put in certain movements, certain isometric work, certain single leg or um, unilateral work, it, just because some people will require it for the programming yeah. and their general performance and goal come the end. Everyone's yeah. built different. Everyone's different. I mean, so here's a question for you there, Mike. So... What would you start people on? Free weights or machines? How new are we starting? Like, are we are we talking someone that's literally just walked into the gym? Well, yeah, we'll talk about. We're literally like average, not average Joe. Like literally, if someone's just came in, haven't seen a dumbbell or weight in general, and that you're taking them through their first session and you're trying to introduce them to new things, dumbbell or weight machine. If it's with me. I will generally go through a mixture, generally to get the, the client comfortable in movements that they can go and do on their own, yeah. and then sort of dip the toes, as we should say, <laughs> into like the concept of your free weight stuff, your blah, 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 squat, that might require, at first, a bit more attention from someone like a coach or someone else in the gym, where you think you're doing it correctly, and you might only be getting a quarter rep etc etc so realistically with it most resistance machines 99% of resistance machines being stuck within one line of motion it's a safe bet and you can basically just read what is on the machine but then that's the difference between having an Instagram workout and a programming workout where it will divulge and put more than just your toes into the water of free weight training and everything else that's going to be making it more relevant to you because yeah. not all machines were built equal and not all people were built equal oh i like that i like that yeah i mean like i again i gave you that question because we both know it's very mixed like yeah. there's going to be some exercises i might start people on machines on and some people i might get an exercise like you were saying before um, about the machines only having one path of movement this is also a good or a bad thing because let's say for example it, because it because there's less stability about it it's good for teaching people mind muscle connection so for people who don't know mind muscle connection this let's say you're doing a bicep curl and you are actively squeezing that bicep and you're trying to contract that muscle so it's getting you to think about which muscles you're using now so it's a good way to do that. Um, it's good for also teaching people movements. The only thing I would probably have against machines, if let's say you do have a limited range of motion or you don't know how to, let's say, retract your scapula, uh, so squeeze your shoulder blades in and re retract your shoulder blades, sorry, retract your shoulders so you've not got your shoulders exposed, you can put yourself in a lot of risk with that. Um and that even same goes with dumbbells work. Like, if you've not got the greatest range of motion and you've not greatly got the greatest strength in that, so you haven't got the greatest or more stability, then you might find yourself, especially if you go a little bit too heavy, that dumbbell just goes that one extra inch outside of your good range of motion. There's a capability of obviously an injury there. Yeah. So it's, 
again, it's that kind of depend kind of answer, um, answer where you're just like, right, you need to assess yourself. You need to either get yourself to assess or get someone else's assessment and stuff like that. So you can work on them strength and weaknesses in a safer bet and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think, especially when it comes to with gem pop, um, it, it's definitely going to be a, definitely a mix in the fact that you really are going to depend on like person to person. But then, like, I was, I was literally going to just piggyback straight off what you said. Um, I think it takes a lot in terms of programming to understand where you physically are in terms of your confidence with equipment and what you physically know is a strength and a weakness. Yeah. So if you had poor stability and balance, you're not going to go and do a bench split squat straight away with dumbbells. Yeah. Obviously, balance is off. You'd, you'd pull it back and then either have a support that's one regression. Another regression is using a Smith machine, one line of motion, but it's still keeping relatively close to the actual movement. Or, I don't even know if it's been invented, there's probably options in, in terms of if you went for like a V-squat and a split squat, and did the split squat variation, it's going to be a lot safer, etc., etc. And then yeah. you can even just make changes in terms of where the actual weight is on you. Is it on your shoulders? Is it in your hands? Yeah, I mean, like, Apart from also as well the kind of the weight um the weight, the machine and freeway discussion, um, the other progression you gotta obviously think about is going from body weight to weighted. Now a lot of people will have this experience where they'll do something, let's say for example, like a squat or a split squat or something like that, and they'll do body weight and they'll struggle the they'll the frazzle and stuff like that. You give them a little bit of load. And they seem a lot more structured in it. They seem a lot more stable in that movement. And you say they find it easier. Mm-hmm. And this goes into the context of internal loading and external loading. Um, and I always I always try to get people to do body weight stuff first or some sort, especially when it comes to bracing. Because my idea when it comes to getting people through exercises is try to master that internal loading. So the fact that they're keeping their core tight, they know where everything is, they're aware of their body movements, aware uh, of everything kind of get where it goes and needs to go and stuff like that before, before I can say, right, it's safe enough now to actually load. Now, let's say let's say we do a goblet variation of a split squat and I give them a little bit of weight, let's say like six kilograms or something like that. Now, that six kilograms to some people mind um bite me absolute nothing to them but it might help them brace or show what bracing feels like and then you can retract to that and try to get them to doing that so if people re- listen to this at the moment feeling of feeling like absolutely confused about right which is first and stuff like again it is massively depend but you need to you need when it comes to programming, the main thing is having that kind of progression as a road and yeah. stuff like that. Um, another thing that I always make sure to when it comes to progressing is going from maybe a static movement to more of a diameter movement because there's more things in play then. Because obviously, you've got 
um, acceleration and deceleration parts of the movement, so the eccentric and the concentric. So what do I mean by this? I mean, so let's say, for example, like a split squat, where it's static, you've got your feet planted at all times, and you're moving within them ranges. And then you progress that to maybe a reverse lunge. So it's a little bit, it's got a little bit more movement. You do have to plant your back foot. Um, and then you take that even further by going to a forward lunge and then a moving lunge and stuff like that. So you're constantly um, making steps and movements. Now, the reason why I program it like that is because a reverse lunge is very heavily on the posterior chain, so the glutes and the hamstrings. And it's less eccentric, so less deceleration than it is forward lunge. Once yeah. they've got that stable going backwards, then they can start looking at moving forwards and planting that thing and making sure the knee's nice and stable up front. And then once they've got that stable, then they can start moving into a moving lunge. And if they can do a nicely moving lunge with good range, good movements, then for me, they're, they're quite set. Um, and I think that's I think that's everything when it comes to programming. It's getting you to be 100% comfortable whatever position you're in or position that you're going to be in mainly. So let's say from a sports aspect, like let's say a tennis player and they're going into that wide bottom corner to return back shot. They need to be able to side lunge into that position. So that means they're going to have to work on stuff like their adductors, their glutes, their quads to get themselves into that position. So we need a mirror of that. Now, let's say you're um, your average Joe who's not a tennis player but has kids, family and stuff like that, they might need to bend down more to pick up the kid or play football with the kid or something like that. So a full range squat is going to really benefit themselves like that. So they're making sure that they're muscularly they're strong, they've got good tendons, they've got good ligaments, stuff like that. The joints are all healthy. Um, so yeah, so it's all different. It all depends yeah, I was I was going to say earlier, I didn't want to disrupt your flow. I think generally, even with the slightest bit of load, I think it gives a bit more comfort as well to a client in terms of like if you're concentrating on saying three factors to a client in a split squat, nothing really is said about everything going on up here. So I think it also keeps the mind sort of busy as well. And the fact of like, oh, I have to stay here and hold this. I know that I need to be in this position at all times through this movement, and then I can disregard whatever's going on here and concentrate on what I actually physically need to think about, bracing, knee position, etc., etc. Where and when would you make progressions and regressions? Again, people are going to hate me because it is literally all depends. Um, I would probably say you need to make progressions when it feels right too. Now, this could be like, let's say, for example, like something dead simple, like you're doing three sets of 10 of a bench press and you're, we're now talking about weight and loading. And let's say you can do two sets of 10 reps perfectly fine and you try to go for that weight up and progress. Sometimes you need to be calculated risk with it. So you need to be able to be like, right, I'm not 100% comfortable with it, but I'm going to give it a go because I'm comfortable that even if I might not reach that 10th rep, I might get eight or six and stuff like that. Now that's with load. 
when it comes to progression of exercises, uh, you got to tick boxes, full range of motion, no pains or anything like that, and stable in within that movement um, before I get anything. Now, when it comes to regressing, um, this will come down to experience of what that exercise is. And you'll find yourself progressing more, especially if you're a newbie, then you will be regressing. You'll find your regressing part will very much be at the beginning or if you're very new to a movement. Um, and I think everyone thinks of regressing or going backwards as a bad thing. I had this actually conversation with my client the, um, the other week because we had to regress a few things into a program. And the only reason why I, I regressed some things back into the program was maybe a little bit over lockdown due to the fact of doing different equipments and stuff like that. Some new bad habits were formed. So we wanted just to regret that a little bit. bit. Um, the weights that she was used to be able to do, she was no longer able to do. So we just regressed that a little bit. We took the weight a little bit further back. And she saw that as a sign of going back in a progress. But as I explained to her, it's that evanescent flow of training. You're going to have times where you're able to lift you more weight. You're going to be times when you're going to be able to move better. You're going to have times when you can't move as well and stuff like that, but life gets in the way. Um, and you shouldn't let that be a discouraging part in your training. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Mike, but I've loved the fact of going to the back into the gym from the second lockdown, not being able to lift as many weights and see my weights go back up or going back to when I was snatching like, I look, I probably, if I put the videos up on YouTube, it's like, I look terrible. There's probably a thousand people that said, will say to me, you need to do this, you need to do that. And it's like, I know, I'm not, I'm not an expert in limp lifting. But I love the fact of being a beginner. And I had to retract the movement to a point where I was just doing simple mobility exercises so I can go further. So sometimes you need to go about step one step back to go two steps forwards. Yeah. I think I've had this conversation with clients in regard to you can't, there's no point focusing on working on a weakness further down the line where injury is more of a risk. You might as well face it head on now, get everyone, every everything in terms of a movement that you want to improve and progress 110% correct now. Because even the slight little jitter down the line, especially if you don't know why you've got that jitter, can just make you agree, make you regress even further down the line yeah and i think it's better now to have it straight after a lockdown yeah when you're stuck in a horrible mindset because all you want to do is train and like no we need to get back into this and take this back again i think um weight weight on like that's like example let's say weight in the bar and stuff like that that's the hardest for people to regress because obviously it's a, a number. And if it's a number they're quite proud of, mm. they can be like, well, why am I taking it back to weight? Because like, well, because all of a sudden now you're, let's say it's like a deadlift, your lower back is extensionally rounding and we want to stop that from happening. So we're just taking down and again, that that could be multiple factors of why we're doing that. Um, and for just some odd reason that day, that form was just not great, and we just have to take the weight back. Just pound on. And I've seen people get absolutely frustrated with that, but that's the that's the role of us where we're 
we're dare to, in a way, keep that ego in check. And we all have it. We all have that ego. We want to lift the heaviest. We want to have the best forms and stuff like that and think we're always going to train at that maximum level. But we'll get that bad days. You can um, flip that on its head. Sorry. You, I was going to say then, you can flip that on your head, on its head though and make it a benefit. So if you're getting six reps of 80, so 480 kilograms of movement, but then you regressed it and got eight reps on 70, overall total volume for the set is higher yeah so that's what i mean so that's where the contents of the actual movement comes mm. more particular and that's 100 percent right in fact that you could take a weight down bring the reps up with better form and you've got in a way if you times rate by reps by uh, weight you've got more volume but that's where proper programming and coaching comes into play with that um, yeah. and that's something if it's a, that's a metric if you're trying to mark um, but some people on the grand scheme of things would just be like there's now four plates on this bar I don't want to go back to three and that's what I mean like can't change ego lifting that's I know exactly I mean a, a good example for this is someone who's maybe let's say bulked up for quite a bit so I, I'm gonna, I'll use myself as an example actually so when I was so last year for me I was weighing at a staggering 173 pounds. So I was around the 78 kg mark. I'm not using excess mass. So if I got people in there trying to go, no, it's actually this. I'm just going with this. It's a hangover scene with all the... the... <laughs> like loads of calculations going in my head. Like, oh. um, and I got, for the first time ever, 200 kg on the deadlift. Now, fast forward a year to now, I'm now a stone lighter. I'm about 160 odd, sometimes 159 pounds. Um, can I do 200 kg on the trap bar? No. no. I've not even tried to attempt to go near that number again. But I just know by my own training, I'm being around that kind of eight repetition mark and going from the numbers of that and calculating my kind of one rep max from that, that I'm... A little bit off and that's quite normal you're going to see that kind of taper off and stuff like that yeah. and do i see that as a regression um a little bit but at the same time as well because most of my training is for my sport ideally whether i have a let's say like a two two times my body weight deadlift compared to a 2.5 or something like that deadlift then marginal numbers ain't gonna maximize into my sport whether whether i'm quick like i'm not gonna bring a hex bar with me and run around the pitch am i i'm not far a camera a farmer's camera while i'm doing kick up i can just imagine you just like whispering in the ear yeah i've got a 200 kilogram deadlift what are you gonna do bitch i'm gonna go in my back pockets pal yeah exactly but that's what i mean it's like but if I ever decide to bulk up again and I got myself back up to that weight, which I, I highly doubt I will anymore now because I quite like being at the certain way I feel comfortable at it, um, then I might look at getting them numbers again. I might try to get them numbers again within the weight that I'm in right now. But 
that's for an off-season moment. And in-season, yeah. like, there's no more point in me doing that because if I do, then I'm I'm probably sacrificing energy to being at gym rather than being on the pitch. So, again, it's we've gone a little bit, again, off-topic in the fact of programming, but it's not. It's more than just exercise numbers, set reps. There's, there's got to be full-on content, content yeah. of it. There's got to be a motive and there's got to be a goal behind it, um, regardless to any progression and re- regression you do with them exercises or even like diversity version of exercises and stuff like that. You can have the meat and potatoes. And then you can have someone that will make you a full meal, start on a dessert. Potato. <laughs> um, so I think it is very important as a topic. For as much as I think a lot of this will bore people, they will kind of understand, well, I hope they understand, the importance think, of yeah. why it should be done and why it should be considered. I think a lot of people will come into this podcast and be like, Wait a minute, I thought I was going to be learning like loads of programming stuff and stuff. I like, how do I get my bench press better? We're not, we're, not, we're not telling you to program or how to program. We're telling you why you should program and yeah. how should, why you should make slight adjustments if needed. Exactly. So there, there are methods behind our madness and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there is indeed. So yeah, so definitely regarding obviously programming. That's they're the key points that you should look into and stuff like that. And especially if you're going into phases where you have like off season, pre season and in season, you've got to look at them stuff like that. Um but if you're someone who's like a bodybuilder or just there for general fitness, then does programming that much matter as long as you're getting the volume and all that in? I would probably argue yes. It's just your content and your reasons for it will be completely different um, and stuff like that. But then you're not going to be in programming an overhead press to someone that's got the shoulder mobility of like this. Yeah, wait, so I'm not. I've definitely made. seen people do that. Now, a good example of people, let's say, who can't do overhead press and stuff like that is you could do something like an incline press up uh, not incline press up incline bench press mm. so that's the middle ground and uh, and then if you can't even do an overhead press you can do a, a lateral raise there are diversities you can go in towards um so when it comes to like exercise selection you you've got to look at the grand scheme of things and in a way you've got to I think you've got to know the muscle and its movement and even down to a joint level. Um, the more you know the body, the more you know how to manipulate it. This is I sound like I'm some puppetry inside manipulate. <laughs> this is why coaches do their tests at the start when you have your consultation, etc. It's not just for our own fun or just to make you look silly. It's actually for a benefit so we can program correctly. Also, as well, it's like you give it a couple of months down the road, and let's say we do a an overhead squat test again, then look at that. You can do it. That's progress. What? Mind blown. Uh, 
But yes, right. I think ideally everything that I wanted to talk about from the first part, I've gone through. Yeah. yeah anything you want to add on, Mike? I cannot think of anything. I think it's just obviously displaying the importance of. I think I mentioned this for to, as much as you didn't want to hear it that just because someone is on Instagram and posts a workout for you doesn't mean you should directly follow it because it's kind of like your nutrition. Oh God, Mike is absolutely ruining Instagram followers at the moment. It's You wouldn't follow someone else's calories, so you wouldn't always need to necessarily follow their program. That's very true. Well, I don't know what to say about that. And also, Karen who is 45, does not need to follow the NFL Pro programming card because she saw it and got a deal for 9.95 and did it. Yeah, but this is that's what I mean. It's like, this is going into people who are doing guides and I'll have to put my hands up because currently on my website there is a 12-week pre-season program. Um, not plugging at all. Definitely not plugging. Just um, go buy it. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> he's got the electrical puck. He's turned it on, and I've just gone right in there with the charge. But I think the people who maybe don't have the knowledge or haven't gone through that time, you're absolutely you find yourself for people who have literally can't see us on YouTube. Mike has just put a plug <laughs> on the screen, and now he thinks he's Mike McIntyre. <laughs> Kevin Hart, some comedian. If um, you I make myself laugh, so I'm not even mad. That's fine. And you're mad anyway. Um, I've lost all train of thought as well. But I, I think for people who are very brand new and don't know a lot of this stuff, I think it can be a good place to start getting a program from somewhere, knowing the fact that this is going to be very generical. I mean, like, when I first started my fitness stuff like that, um... I used to go on YouTube and I used to look at like other people's like workouts and stuff like that. And it's sometimes you can take it out and learn from it. Now, long term, is that going to massively benefit me? No, but definitely doing them kind of exercises and definitely doing the programs was a definitely a stepping stone part in learning some of that stuff and stuff like that. I mean, I remember when I first started like learning how to deadlift and I went to a conventional gym, like didn't really have a clue, wasn't really changed, watched a little bit on YouTube, definitely did it wrong first time, but then I started going to YouTube more, started looking at more kind of my videos, I got like a how-to guide of deadlifted and stuff like that, and I started learning from there. Now, again, it's that's me doing my own part, and the curious person that I am where I'm, I'm trying to learn stuff, and that was, God, that's going back like six, seven years now, Um I'm getting old. Um, but I, I get what you're pointing. It's like saying, like, yeah, there, there's some things on Instagram. I think there's some places anywhere in the world um, where you're going to see a lot of people do some funky stuff. I mean, I've seen some great workouts with a chair. If, if, someone, a chair. if someone tells you to try and jump on a Busu ball, Whilst you've got a barbell back, barbell on your back, close the page, unfollow the person. 
or video it and send it to me so I can put it on you being framed. Yeah, at least we can make two hundred and fifty quid from the podcast. Why not? <laughs> help, help the variety. Help the variety. Help the local community. Um, but yeah, but there were the, some of the things that we obviously wanted to talk about in the second part of the actual podcast. Um, obviously, in the next episode of when we do our podcasts, we'll be going back to our, our general light talking talking conversation where we we don't lose topic at all probably talk about a few analogies now and then and stuff like that but as always ladies and gentlemen i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast i hope you enjoyed the two-part thriller <laughs> of this podcast um but yes as always if you guys have any questions about obviously what we said on the podcast make sure you have a message myself or mike um we'll be happy to help um but yes but i hope you guys took a few things from this podcast kind of got the gears thinking about what you should do where to take your training to the the next level but i'm gonna stop waffering right now hope you guys enjoyed the episode and i'll see you all in the next one peace out peace